喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵Coming to you pre-recorded, high in the desert of Oro Valley, Arizona. <laughs> Sorry, I took a dab a few minutes ago. <laughs> where where tuberculosis is <laughs> raging through the. It's like we live in, if, it, if we lived in Tombstone, you could be like, I got the TV. <laughs> now, now you just have to be like. It's not the COVID. It's not COVID. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger with the old line. It's, it's not, a tumor. not a tumor. Now, anytime you cough out in public, you got to be like, <laughs> it's not COVID. Unless no. it is. And if it is, what the fuck? Why is Why? it COVID? What? Jesus. I think it'd be funnier if you coughed in public and said, sorry, I just ripped a fat dab. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> got really wasted before this. I imbibed a bit because I'm getting a migraine. You are getting a migraine. And I do have a medicinal card. I, um, they were, let me tell you, by the way, they were super way more thorough about giving me uh, a medicinal marijuana card than mm-hmm. they were in Michigan here in Arizona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the one a little is, bit higher of a, um, of a level to reach. Yeah. We kind of laughed in Michigan because when we lived in Flint, like it really kind of lived up to everything people made fun of, which is like the, her doctor, how old would you take a gander that that doctor was? Oh, I'd say half dead. Um, Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Go ahead. And he was absolutely half dead. And we both saw the same doctor and just kind of laughed on our way out. Cause I'm not even sure he knew like what we said our medical issues were. Yeah. He was just kind of like jotting down gibberish and was like, you're approved. Move pay, along. Pay your fee on the way out. <laughs> pay the fee. They're cash here. only. So I used, uh, I actually used a service called Veraheal. Okay. This is an unpaid endorsement. Trust me, nobody pays us for anything anymore. This is all free out all of right. our own pocket. But um, you pay them like a, a small surcharge and they find you a doctor. Yeah. Look at, listen to you. Your, your voice is all tore up. That's because I just got high to get rid of my <laughs> migraine. <clears throat> um, it's it's called Veraheal and they put you in touch with a doctor online from your state. Okay. And then you do the, me- the medical oh, so, appointment. Okay, so that's like a national website you yes, went to? Yes, it's so called like, Veraheal, V-E-R-I, Heal, H-E-A-L.com. So if you live like in Illinois or Michigan If you live in any Minnesota state where it's medicinally or, legal, you can go through Veraheal. And I think- So you, you go to that website and yeah. then what happens? So um, you, you go say, to the website, they match you up with the doctor okay. who is verified in your state or yeah. uh, licensed in your state. Gotcha. And then um, you do the virtual appointment. So it's all Zoom now. It's yeah, all you don't Zoom. Gotta see anybody. You don't got to see anybody. Um, but yeah, you got to fill out some paperwork about you know issues you have and if yeah. you've ever done medicinal marijuana before and stuff like that. But sure. this, this process was a little, made me feel a little bit better than the one in Michigan. I felt like the one in Michigan was... You felt it was like really scammy, like really <laughs> yes. just a hustle for money? I mean, like if, you, if you know Flint, the guy's <laughs> office was on Dort Highway across from the strip club. So let's just put that out there. <laughs> yeah. um, that was the doctor's office we went to it in. clientele. So no, the, but this service is really nice. Basically, they do all the legwork for you and okay. just for an extra fee. And I'm like, you know what? I'm new here. I but need to so, get my card. So, so it was your migraines that technically got you the card? Yes. I don't know. I, I remember back in Flint, when we got our cards that they didn't consider trouble sleeping or insomnia as no. a reason to get a medicinal marijuana card. But you you got it for chronic pain, which was because of your ankle. Uh, ankles. Ankles. <laughs> now it's both. <laughs> Poor Irish dancer over here. You you have floating uh, uh, bone matter in your ankles from the years of dancing. And unfortunately, um, you've kind of had your card pulled with um, a lot of pain medication. Yeah. And you don't, you know, want to go that route. Nope. 
Nope. Yeah, that is not a route you want to travel well, down. And it's also, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's hard to get that stuff now. Well, like, yeah, you can, true. They're they not don't, exactly they, doling it out. And as, you know, the, a family member of somebody who was addicted, I totally understand. Yeah. But there's only so much you can do, though. Ibuprofen only goes so far. But so that's what you were granted the card for in Michigan was yeah. for your ankles. And I still then. have the exact same pain in my ankles, but I now have chronic migraines. So right. that was a really, yeah, but I got, it's too, it's a digital card, too, which I love. That's cool. Except... When you go, because we went to the dispensary yesterday, um, I went to pick up some stuff for my migraines and, and for sleep problems, and it's digital, so you keep it on your phone, mm-hmm. but the first thing they ask you for is your confirmation text, so you got to get your text up. This is before you even get in the door. Yeah. The security guard says, let me see your confirmation text. Then they want to see your state ID. Then they want to see your medical card. Sure. And you kind of have to flip through your phone to get to all those things, so it does take a little time. But, I mean, once you're in, it's like in and out. It is no problem. Now, I know there's some people, maybe you're an Arizonan or uh, you just know your laws. You're saying, well, hey, hold on. That Arizona state there is a recreational state. So doesn't that mean anyone, anywhere, anytime can go? You don't need that card. Absolutely it does. And and you're right. You could. AJ could. Um, the difference in that in is that uh, the selection... Is wider when you have a medicinal card, and it's actually cheaper as well. Yes. Not only is it uh, a much bigger uh, variety of products... But you get it at a much lower tax rate. Well, and I found out about that in Michigan when it went wreck because my medical card had lapsed. Yeah. And once it lapsed, I'm like, oh, why would I go get a medical card when it's recreational? And Pat said, I'll show you why. We went into a dispensary. He had a medical card. Yeah. I had, I didn't, but it was wreck. Um, there were two separate sides of the shops, and we compared what was on the medicinal side mm-hmm. to what was on the recreational side. And even, even when I got here to Arizona, before I had the medicinal card, it is rec. So I walked into a dispensary and said, hey, I'm looking for these gummies. I use them for sleep. And she goes, well, we have them, but they're not available to recreational patients yet. Yeah. Um, but if you have a medicinal card, you can get it. So obviously I'm like, all right, I'll go get a medicinal card. I mean, it's, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. You save money, more selection, a little, little bit more, I, I, I guess. I mean, depending on what you're worried about, coverage from the law or whatever. Yeah, you know? I mean, I well, yeah, that too. But yeah, no, I. it's, it's weird because like with migraines, at least for me, um, the marijuana... It doesn't get rid of your migraine. Mm-hmm. If you have migraine meds, you should probably still take them. But it gets you through that period where it's the onset to when it gets really bad. Because even the onset is incredibly painful. Um, the best way I've heard it described from people who deal with chronic pain, because I'm not a chronic pain sufferer, right? But people who deal with that um, and have turned to the green for their pain management, they have said... Just like you, it doesn't get rid of it. No, it's not a magic bullet, right? No. You don't you don't take this substance and all it's, of a sudden your pain is gone. It's medicinal, but it's not yeah. medicine. It says, but it makes the pain um, manageable. It's, yeah, it's a manageable experience. Like if Same. I if I hadn't have smoked that pot before we did this podcast, yeah. like I wouldn't be able to open my right eye right now because it yeah. hurts so bad. And I can and then st- the podcast would suffer because you'd yes. be just trying to suffer. You like and listen, we've done that before in our broadcast career. Yeah. Um, I got really good at dealing because I couldn't get. Long story. Couldn't see. My doctor would not like give a. He didn't give a shit about my migraines. He was like, yeah. take some Excedrin migraine. Stop dr- or drink coffee. I'm yeah. like, dude, we're past that. Like, but I'm like, not. But I couldn't get in to see him, so I was just suffering through these migraines every day with no help at all, and like that included the radio show. And obviously, you don't, you know, using marijuana, you don't want to get rip roaring high at four thirty in the morning before you come into work, right? <laughs> he kept saying he's frowns. Like, just, a, they frown upon that kind of thing. <laughs> he's like, take just a little dab. I'm, I'm like, saying if you needed to. I mean, if you really can't get out of fucking bed, I'm just saying. No, but. no. I was, um, I, I rarely get it to the can't get out of but, bed. But, you know, but so she would come in uh, just trying to tough through it. And we would do these these shows where she would literally have like the one eye closed. And then I would maybe hopefully people didn't notice it. But I would carry like 80 yeah, percent of, of the show and just kind of count, like let her I would kind of block for her. Right. You know, and. This seems, yeah, like a pretty manageable way for you to uh, deal with it. Because the other problem is with the meds you take for the migraines. When you take those meds, there's like a whole fucking hangover to it, right? Yeah, which is why I didn't mind. Like, I I still took them now because if you take them fast enough, 
you you barely feel anything. What are they? I, what are they called? Um, is it sumatriptan? It's um, it's not Imitrex, right? Yeah, you, no, it is Imitrex. Okay, you use okay. I think sumatriptan is the generic name for Imitrex. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's Imitrex. But okay. yeah, you like I took one now because the hangover won't start till like the middle of the night when I'm asleep, so that's no fine. Shit. But you ha- and you have such a small window to take it and have it go away immediately. Like I didn't take mine fast enough. I was in the pool swimming and felt it coming on. And it's that fast. It's like that, that fast. Yeah, wow. you can feel it right behind your eye and you can feel your temple throb just a little. But that's like when you need to take it and then it'll be gone. I didn't take mine for like another half hour. Yeah. So like it, it still hurts now, but I know it'll be gone. But yeah, that's the problem with the meds is the side effects kind of make you a zombie for a so little while. So basically you just took the meds and in the meantime to get rid of it, you use your medical marijuana. Hell yeah. So it kills this, the, the onset. So now when that wears off, the other meds will have kicked in. Exactly. And yeah. then you're groovy. And then I'll be in bed and sleeping. And yeah. it'll, it's going to be the greatest night ever, really. There you go. <laughs> that is her Sunday. That's my Sunday fun That's day. when we're recording this, a Sunday. <laughs> uh, when are you listening? I have no idea. Welcome to the 62nd episode of the Pat and AJ podcast. I believe that means we can retire. I think on, your, on your social security form, isn't 62 the earliest? Is this when we start say? getting our pension? Yeah. I think we start getting the pension from the podcast <laughs> union. Someone call a union, Stuart. We're officially done. We hit 62 episodes. We appreciate you being here. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate my friends, Jenny and JJ, listening. Or just JJ. I think just her husband, JJ, listens. Yeah. Um, my friend Jenny came over today. She also lives in Tucson. We've known each other since first grade. Um, brought her kids over to go swimming. And she said, yeah, JJ said he listens to your podcast and that you mentioned me. And she... Like thought I was talking shit about her, and I'm like Jenny. No, oh my God! Like you're What'd one of my oldest, longest friends. I'm like, and, and it's funny now though. She left like an hour ago, and I'm thinking, man, we should have. She should have been a guest on the podcast. That's funny. She's she's a fun cat, and she she knows a lot about me. Well, hello to <laughs> her I, husband. I know a lot about her too. Hi, JJ. Who is serving in the uh, Air Force? In the Air Force, I got to ask him all about the UFOs. When does he retire? <laughs> When does he retire? Uh, next year. Next year. Yeah. So when he retires next year and comes here, because I assume that's when he's moving to Arizona, right? Yes. So I think he's he's moving in the winter, but officially retires like in the summer. Okay. I like, could be wrong. What do you do? Twenty five years? Yeah. Holy. He's been shit. in since we graduated Holy high school. Yeah. Smoke. See what you could have put your mind. What you could have accomplished if you would have known what you wanted to do when you were eighteen years old. Yeah. Could have already been retired from it. Well, when he gets here and he's officially <laughs> out and he's officially no longer gagged by the. Uh, by the Air Force. Does he have to sign like an NDA? Like, I will not talk about I, classified stuff. <laughs> I want to talk about the UFOs. What okay? is it called? What's the... Did you look it up at all? Um, We can Google it. I'm going to Google it. Yeah, grab your phone okay. and I'll uh, I'll kill time while you grab your phone. We yeah. started watching... Pat's been talking about this show on Netflix, uh, a documentary about UFOs for like days. And I don't know. I have a weird relationship with UFOs. Like, I love the supernatural. I love creepy stuff, but... Like aliens and stuff don't really do it for They'll me. Do it for you. But but until it, they but, do. But, but but hold on, is it science fiction? Because I'm not into that shit either. Like Star Trek doesn't do it for me. You know the aliens movies; those don't do it for yeah, me. Yeah, but like we're both fans of Stranger Things, though. Um, yeah, that's one of my like fav- the most science fictiony thing I've ever been a fan. Have of. Have you though. ever seen the movie Event Horizon? No, I, I think, think that's so. the movie that turned me kind of on to science fiction because it's basically like a, a horror movie in space and it's a great movie. But he's been talking about the show, this UFO show for days. And finally, we started it last night and like we are both disgustingly hooked on it. Yeah, this was something that, again, my mom, for as insanely Catholic as she was and that Catholic guilt wrote, like wrote her all the way to the grave. She was into very non-Catholic shit like yeah. ghosts, psychics, psychics. Uh, and, but she always like went back to the church. And another thing I remember my mom as a kid being into was uh, UFO books. I remember she yes. read she read a book uh, named Communion. If anyone remembers that book, okay. it's a big, it's a best selling book in the eighties. She, in fact, I think. Did you find the book? No, but when she, <laughs> no, but before we moved, we went through a box of her old books, and a bunch of the books she used to keep in her bathroom were like Chicago ghost stories. Yeah, and so I would spend like because she could be kind of mean sometimes, so I'd spend time in the bathroom reading her Chicago ghost stories books. But I found those out in her garage. We might yeah. still have it. So like that was my life of that kind of shit, and like aliens were in there. And I, I remember my mom telling me like the one night she's like, "Oh, I read." You know, whatever the book was, too late into the night, and I was too scared to go to sleep or some shit. And J.J. Um, Abrams, by the way, after all this Googling, uh, the name of the docuseries is UFO. <laughs> 
So, you know, <laughs> thanks for. Wow. I'm sorry I made you get up off your chair. Fucking market <laughs> research they put into that one. No, it's on Showtime and it's and it's a four parter and it's just oh, all it's only four parts. It's only four parts, oh, um, but it's all about uh, you know trying to just show the possibilities of UFOs. And if you don't know, as of late, we've kind of really gotten information from the government um, that they're they're confirming UFOs. For a long time, it's kind of been like a don't ask, don't tell. We see no, they're kind of like the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys. Yeah, um, they they just would would say nothing. And now all of a sudden there's like information coming out. We're getting these Air Force videos that are being released. We're getting like officials, like government yeah. officials confirming. Yeah, you have senators. You have like Marco Rubio who's actually like led some kind of charge to have a hearing on this shit. Can I just say that would have been my last. Like if you would ask me which who, senator. What senator do you think is going to take up the UFO cause? Marco Rubio was not Marco on that Rubio. list. Marco Rubio. Bizarre. He's got a way that he's going to get that nomination in 2024 in <laughs> UFOs. UFOs. He's like, if I can fucking That's bust out UFOs. It's UFOs. The truth is out there. I'd vote for him. If, if he said he was going to do it, I'd, do, I'd vote for him. But I mean, so that's, it, it sounds like that's what essentially this well, is. Well, because there's so many shows about UFOs and there's so many documentaries and movies that that was kind of my thought. I'm like, what else is there to say? Like, we think something's out there, but that's the thing. This documentary really digs into like, what is it called? There was like a government UFO investigation yeah. that was like top secret the, until just uh, now. It was a, uh, the U.S. government spent... $22 million covertly, which really with the amount of fucking money we spend, I feel like $22 million is pretty easy to like write off. Yeah, I would have been more impressed with $22 million. Didn't we like spend trillion. like $1 trillion on the Afghanistan war? Yeah, but that was over 20 years. 20 years. So the U.S. government spent $22 million on the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. I, what is it called again? The AATIP. Advanced, the A-TIP. And Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. So that's probably what they called it was ATIP. It ran for five years, so that's $22 million over five years. So that's easy money to cover, yeah. I feel like. It ran between 2007 and 2012, largely in part to then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, who hails from Nevada. You got to remember, yeah. there's certain states where I feel like UFOs pop more. Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. The Southwest. Yeah, the Southwest. It's just big sky country, Well, right? and that was one of the, like, when you drive, because I drove from Michigan to Arizona. Yeah. I drove her a car full of stuff and pets. Um, as soon as you get to New Mexico, like, you cross the border, mm-hmm. and there's billboards with aliens on them. Fuck yeah, it's an They're, industry, It's an right? industry. Like, they have, I mean, you will go 100 miles and see nothing, and then there will be a gas station with, like, an alien gift shop next to it. It's crazy, and you see that there, it's all the way here to Arizona. So, the program ran for five years. Its operation, the sole purpose was to study UFOs. And it, it essentially figure out the UFO claims are credible. And it was looking to start a paper trail record. And really, it's just about national security. When you really break it down, they don't give a shit if it's North Korean no. missiles or some, you know, shit from Russia or UFOs. It's about protecting number one. So right? I have a question, and I don't know if you can Google this or not. Go Why on. are we here in the Southwest why do why are we like the the UFO alien capital? Like why do they couldn't tell you that? Part. Is it is it a climate issue? They did open up because um, I don't want to go to Wisconsin in the winter, so I don't blame the aliens either. <laughs> they did open up in the beginning of the first uh, part of the docu series, part one, like the first half of that first episode is all about in Phoenix, Arizona, so right up the road from us here that in Tucson. That was like the most famous one. I remember seeing that on the news when I was a teenager. Yeah, this whole light. You know, display that was witnessed by, by people. like hundreds yeah. of thousands of people. This wasn't like a couple people saw it in the desert. This was and over the city of Phoenix. What we learn, um, and which kind of sets the tone for this thing, is in all the people who say we saw this thing, uh, one of them is, well, he was the then governor of Arizona. Yes. And he says that I, for myself, had to figure this out. So I went out and I saw it. But because, and these are, you know, this is politics, boys and girls. He said, I was up for re-election. Yeah. I already had some shit going on in my campaign. That yeah. I didn't need to come out as the, now. The crazy. Now <laughs> I'm the governor who's saying, I saw the UFO lights too, right? Like, are you going to pander to those people, like, just to get their vote? Do you know what I wonder, though? But now here's the funny part, though. That kind of set the tone for this layering of government officials 
mainly former who were like, no one wants to go on the record for that cause. Yeah. Everyone knows there's something. No one knows what, but it's something, but no one wants to pick up that stone because look, we are making jokes at like Marco Rubio's expense, right? We yeah. are saying like, oh, there goes Captain UFO out there. Yeah, but see, that's what I was going to just say. And, and then again, Marco ask. Rubio's done a lot of crazy shit. So this actually yeah. kind of, you know, levels out all the other crazy shit he's done. So my question is, do, do, like, do people, what do you believe in? Uh, I think it is, uh, oh, I, be- I believe that I don't know a lot. That's, I, yeah. that's what I believe, that what I know is probably very minute, and I think it is... Because um, we're pretty much on the same page, that we both think yeah. it's very, it's pompous of human yeah, beings that's to think really we're what the it only is. living things in the universe. The universe is so huge. It is quite possibly the most stuck up sentiment to yeah. say we are the only. Intelligent. But now, listen, here's the problem but with we'll, it. But hang on, let me finish here. Go ahead. Don't you think we're at a point now where, like, I don't look at people who say they've seen a UFO and think they're crazy. No. The ones I, I'm a little iffy on are the abductions, which I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but that is that is like a step above. That is a step above, But that's yeah, why, sure. like, do you think in the 90s, like, it was taboo to say you believe yeah. in UFOs? There's a lot Because I don't of, think I mean, it is anymore. Stigma is something, it's a word we all know, and it's a word that I really learned a lot about when I was doing my graduate program, because we talked about it a lot in relations to... Um, how we view addiction and mental illness and how those stigmas have changed over yeah. the years from being crazy or even before that it was the blues before yeah. he had PTSD he was shell shocked yeah you know so you kind of have semantics with the entire thing and that's how I almost feel about it interesting and because yeah the governor did very much say like I couldn't afford to come out as it's a, crazy a wink guy. and a nod it's like but, no one's gonna come out and be like Pff. but and if you haven't and if if you haven't seen it, look up Phoenix Lights. Yeah. If you have seen it, you'll know exactly. You'll remember when it was on the news. But I'm just wondering, like, so many people saw it. I can't believe the governor felt he would be looked at as crazy. So to be honest, what I think probably changed the most between then and now with that stigma is the fact of technology. Yeah. And we record shit now. We have receipts now. Back in the day, whether it was the 40s or whenever, in time, if you told a story like that, it was just that. It was you. Rec- there was no fucking iPhone. You didn't have a camcorder. All you said was, I'm a dude who lives out in Kansas, and I'm telling you, I saw these four lights. That were- Now what happens if you see that shit? You pull out your phone, you start recording. And in the case of something like Phoenix, everyone starts recording. Yeah. So now you have a literal, you know, what we call, or you're the journalist here, what you would call, this is fact-checked evidence now, yes. right? You have sources. You have sources. You have multiple sources that are confirming the same thing. Well, so that's where I think the stigma's gone away because there's so many receipts now. Well, and plus, you know, you you can fact check it so quick, you know, yeah. like they said the the lights over Phoenix were like flares from the nearby air force base. And of course everybody knew that was bullshit, yeah. but like now, like, they, well, it could be a drone. It could be a plane. It could be what, but we can fact which, check that yeah. so fast, which though it may be, which is why I think, you know, having a hearing like whatever they're doing or Marco Rubio's heading up is good to have because yeah. if they are drones, if they are weather anomalies, if they are the Northern lights, if they are whatever, the fuck they are just confirm it that's all people want yeah just tell me yes or no i mean we we what are we gonna do about it you know because they seem to appear when nobody's expecting it so it's not like we're gonna it's as an independence day we're not gonna have guns ready you know so let's just accept that it exists or doesn't exist and and incorporate that into our future i mean it, it could just be fuck man i mean it's so existential to think about but it could just be how you glance into a pond and you see some fish in there and these fish could somehow maybe communicate with each other and go, holy shit. Yeah. I saw this thing up in the sky and the other fish are like, you're full of fish shit. You know, you, you know what? I, I, I talked to my mom so, about it. I talked to my mom about, about a lot of stuff when she came and visited me in Arizona because yeah. it was just time with, between two of us. Little mother daughter bonding. Yeah. Time. And like wh- I just grew up in a very religious Christian household. And I asked her, because she saw some of the alien stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's all over here. And <laughs> We're alien central. We are alien central. And I was like, so tell me. I'm like, how do you feel about UFOs and aliens? And she goes, I'm sure there's something out there. Yeah. And, I, and she's not quite as religious as she used to be, but she still holds on to it. And I said, how do you feel about that with religion? 
I'm like, if God created man and blah, 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 she mm-hmm. goes, well, then God created aliens. And I'm like, okay, so you're not. So she ties it into she it. She can tie it into it, which, which is, is, I think, actually a good thing because you had a good point last night. Well, I, I, I said the reason, I mean, for for better or for worse. And they and confirm it on the show, too. They do. About 10 minutes after he said it, they said it on the, the for, documentary. For better or for worse. And let me just stop right here and say, folks, this may be the point where you're like, man, I really enjoyed Pat and AJ up until that <laughs> that one podcast. We spent 10 years together as good friends. And then that podcast happened. I think if you confirm something like this, it disassembles a lot of religion. No, it disassembles all all religion, which if you know, I don't agree with that, but, but go ahead. That's why this is America. You can do it. You can believe whatever you want in, in my view. I do not believe in any of the organized religions. I do not believe there is any kind of intelligent being pulling any kind of strings. There's this no grandiose plan. Coming from a former Catholic I'm school. I'm a former. Student. Listen, I thought about this, and I'm, I have beliefs, and you want to sit down and talk about them, I'll do it any day of the week. But that's my belief. Most of the world is organized through some form of religion. Yeah. And that religion then breeds into community into social hierarchy, yeah. into all these different things. If you could then say there's other intelligent beings from other realms and there's not this one dude who rules it all with one heaven or one hell, that sends the world into mass fucking chaos. It's the end of Ghostbusters 1 when everyone is praying yes. outside of the building. Remember? Yep. The priests are praying. The Orthodox Jews are praying. The Muslims are praying. The Muslims are praying. You got the evangelicals saying the end is near. Repent yeah. now. I think if you While the really, marshmallow man's walking down exactly, the street. Exactly. I think it just throws one... And, and the weird part is is that religion in itself is just as, you know, uh, crazy av- of an idea as like UFOs, but it's just come to one that folks really like and they depend on, and it's so part of them. And I think to just shake them like that is too much. That would I I don't think well, the world could. Ha- I don't think mankind could handle it. They say that in the documentary that. You know, these sightings have been going back for centuries. This yeah. is nothing yeah, new. this is not just now. No, but they were saying, like, you know, way back then, the church yeah. ruled over everybody and everything. Yeah. So if you came out and said, hey, I think I saw yeah. an alien or whatever they thought it was, yeah. they're like that. The church would not allow you to say that because, like you the, said. Uh, the, the, the unspoken college, they called it or something. It was ooh, like, or the yeah. silent college, a si- silent university. Silent or some college shit. or something like that. But yeah, that's what they call the people who know that there's something going on but yeah. can't say it you because, like you said, it. yeah, it. It would so, shake up religion I mean, I, to its and, core. And listen, again, I get that, dude. I grew up on the south side of Chicago where, to me, the only kinds of religions there were out there were Catholic and public. <laughs> and it was like I didn't realize there were other religions besides <laughs> Catholicism until I was 13 years old. And honest to God, I'm, I'm asking this because I'm yeah, legitimately curious. Yeah. Was it just Catholicism or was it Christianity nope, as a whole? No, Catholicism. Because you... I are- never saw anything. I, I never okay. saw a strip... That's why the strip mall churches weird me out. Because to me, churches were these Catholic yeah. entities. And, and and if you don't know, Catholic churches, they have actual like uh, relics, relics yeah. from the saint who it's named after there. Like you it's a big like, fucking to-do. Well, man. even, um, and not to get off topic, but yeah. that was one of the big things with the Catholic church. I think it was St. Michael's in Flint. It was like the oldest Catholic church yeah. in Flint yeah. just closed down. And one of the big things they had to figure out what to do with were the relics. They're yeah, like, do, sure, do, do we do? give them to the Vatican? Do we give them to another church? Like, what do you do? They usually go back to the Vatican so they can launch a new church. So, you know, to me, that was kind of, you know, religion. And we had those churches, I shit you not, about every six blocks. There were Mine was St. Bruno's. After that was um, St. Richard's. And after that was St. Mary's Star of the Sea. I can tell you how they went in order. What did I see? One of my friends from Milwaukee tweeted <laughs> during the NBA playoffs. She said, I don't think anybody realizes that there are more than church steeples in Milwaukee. Because that's, a, that's there, all man. they show yeah. on the skyline is churches. Because that's but, all it was, was Catholic churches. So, you know, with that... The, the the church and the community it provided for me was I was not only going to a church, I went to that church's school. Yeah. And so then religion and the community and Became your friends one, yeah. and everything was woven into that entity. 
And so much to, to like at 13, I was like, oh my goodness, there's other religions out there. So I could imagine if someone in that state, yeah, someone who maybe, you know, I got to a point to where, you know, I do whatever, but someone who's still in that in state, that state, that's yeah. where they live. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the world validates like, well, there may be these intelligent, blah, 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 which undoes all that shit. Yeah. It just does. It just does. Which then people would say, well, no, I have faith, and that's great. I would hope you still do. But unfortunately, I do think it'd be mass chaos. Uh, I disagree, but that's okay. So? No, I, I don't think it would be mass chaos. And I do I do like but the I way mean, my mom said it as a, a Christian woman. Yeah. That, you know, well, then that means God created aliens, too. I mean, the logic, listen, the logic of all this is So she is thinks, hold on, where in the Bible does he create aliens? I don't, I didn't read that story. Well, that chapter hasn't been we written yet because the chapter. government hasn't confirmed. Thank you. <laughs> Either way, you got to watch this. I mean, it is like I was exhausted and so ready to just turn over and go to sleep, but my jaw was on the the floor. Aliens are angels. All right, so let's say I'm wrong. What? I love talking about like all this shit, right? This is like some Art Bell shit. I love it. God rest your soul, Art Bell. I loved Art Bell. Um,. You know, like, what if the aliens are really like the angels who are watchers, right? Angels are are, are technically watchers. So what if they're really like the angels sent? There is a God. There is a, like, you know, uh, supreme being. And he goes, man, check out, like, what the hell's going on? Are they just coming to check in on us? And then they they come down and they're like, oh, my God, this Afghanistan thing is going on again, you know? And then they go back and they're like, you'll never guess what they're doing. You know what? I'm not going to say that's too far out there because if you think about it, anybody who's quote unquote ever claim that they've been abducted yeah right. they come back they come back they let you go back they're sample. just you know they're just checking you out you don't you don't hear people this isn't like yeah. um what was that show where the people um just disappeared uh body snatchers no star trek no it was just it was a few years ago um oh uh the leftovers the leftovers yeah on hbo we don't have situations like the leftovers where people are just disappearing and we're saying yeah we're not saying like they were abducted by aliens and never brought back everybody who claims to be abducted has come back so maybe maybe they are angels i mean listen to that that's actually some like religious (laughs) dogma tied into alien stuff because you get like the rapture which technically if you read the rapture people will just ascend to heaven the worthy will ascend the rest of us will not and we perish in that so if they're ascending what if that's the fucking ufos dude and they're the ufos are in the angels and you're ascending up to them and they take you up to the mothership uh, 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 we uh, have just unpacked uh, a uh, lot wow uh, <laughs> let's all take a big deep breath in folks Woo! <laughs> Let that one breathe. Don't breathe too loud. The aliens might hear let you. Let that one breathe. We'll let you know. We'll keep our eyes to the sky out here in Arizona. Yeah, we okay? will. And trust me, you've got to watch this uh, documentary. Not Netflix. You said Showtime, no, right? This is Showtime. Uh, Showtime. J.J. Abrams. That's why it's Showtime. J.J. Abrams. Uh, Showtime. And it's called, write it down, UFO. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw on TMZ uh, the big headline, Dave Chappelle drunk on stage in Detroit. Well, if you saw it, I wasn't drunk. Uh, I had smoked some reefer (laughs) with some rappers. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about hanging out with rappers, but their weed is very strong. (laughs) Stronger than what I was accustomed to. The article goes on to say I was booed off stage, which is also incorrect. I was booed. I did not leave. It was a long bump. It was a fucking nightmare. It just took one person to break the ice. It's a black lady with a Ford motor shirt on. She stood up suddenly. Fuck you, Dave Chappelle. I said, excuse me? She said, I worked all week for this shit, and this show sucks. And in a weird act of racial harmony, a conservative white guy stood up and backed her up. Yeah! So you honestly, I mean, never... Heard of it? A meme? No, I'd heard of it, but my extent of knowledge goes to like in, at our old radio job, we had to do four um, website posts every day, mm-hmm. and some days were harder than others because there wasn't a lot of shit going on. Sure, but I remember somebody posting, "Hey, today's the anniversary of Malice at the Palace," and that's when I kind of looked it up and figured out what it was, so I could write a web post on it. But to be honest with you, I didn't really care because I was just I was just looking for content. I didn't realize it was as serious as it was. 
the latest installment in the Netflix series Untold, which is a pretty cool series, by the way, is Malice at the Palace, which, for those of you uninitiated, very much like AJ. I mean, I do feel honored that yeah. I can say, like, we went we went to shows at the Palace of Auburn Hills before it was turned, sure. t- torn down. We yeah. never went to a Pistons game there, nope. though. This uh, is a one-hour documentary on November 19, 2004, and the events that led up to that night and the events that then happened because of that night. And what happened that night, affectionately referred to as the Malice at the Palace, was basically a on-court altercation between the Detroit Pistons, the Indiana Pacers, which devolved into a fight uh, between players and fans, uh, which led to pretty much like a like a riot it was like it was one step below a riot like you were missing like a like one i'll tell you what if there would have been you fucking, were missing the tear gas <laughs> if there if there would have been instagram live yes there would have been a riot because some asshole would have wanted to kick it off you know just so he could like do it live yeah. on his feet so he could be instagram famous yeah the first thing i knew about this um docuseries is that all of our Michigan friends absolutely despise it, and they hate it. <laughs> Can't Every, imagine why. <laughs> everyone on our news feed is like, oh, I just watched the untold Malice at the Palace. Fuck Netflix. Well, it, because it makes the people at the... Unfortunately, it, it paints Michiganders in a bad light. Well, but it shouldn't, because it's really just the people at that game. So, but. I mean, it's, it's, it's really told, for all intents and purposes, from the Pacers' point of view. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like... I didn't like, think there was enough Pistons uh, POV in I mean, that. who do we have? I mean, you, you have like the super fan. I remember that guy. He yeah. was there repping Detroit. Were there any Piston players? I don't that, think so. That super fan appears in like the first and the last scene yeah, of the documentary. Yeah, right. Like you forget about him and then he comes back. I'm like, oh, we could have used more of him, man. So, you know... They it, briefly interview um, the guy who threw a punch at Ron Artest. Yeah. But I don't think... The Michigander. I, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't make Michiganders look good. And I feel like they could have gone a little deeper into his story, too. So, you know, it's it, it's really good. And if you are a, like a, you know, ride-or-die Pistons fan, and the way you look at that night was, fuck the Pacers, and fuck Ron Artest, and fuck Reggie Miller... You're not going to like it. No. But if you really want a pretty um, expansive and um, sprawling look at all the little factors. That went into, it wasn't, and, and that was the part that amazed me the most is that it wasn't just like, it wasn't just a moment in time that exploded. No. Shit had been building. For, you know, I mean, literally, they, they, they go back to the season before and you get into this team and this rivalry and then this new team building this new squad. And, you know, so that's the how. The Pistons and the Pacers are, are kind of like the Packers and the Bears. I mean, like, a little bit, yeah. Regional rivals, yeah. absolutely. Michigan. Indiana I mean so so yeah and I mean considering that you had the year the season preceding that uh the Pistons kind of shut them down yeah so you know yes there's tension and it all comes down to this one night and it I mean it's it's I still am let me tell you and still floored at what basically started this fight because Honestly, from a basketball standpoint, yeah. listen, I'm no professional player, but I played enough in school. Yeah. Um, what Ron Artest did to kick this off barely looked like a foul. Yeah. Like you, if you blinked, you missed it. It di- it didn't look like he just like uppercut somebody. Like it, it looked like he just put his arm up, knocked a guy over, and that's when the fight started. But I mean, I thought it was something like more blatant than that. I was I thought you know they were pushing each other around. This was not a foul that like you saw from afar. And it was uh, it's uh, kind of in the vein of the White Sox got into this this season because they're real they're in first place. They're really good this season, and they were playing in Minnesota. And there's some kind of unwritten fucking rule in baseball, which don't we all love? Can we all just sit here and applaud? unwritten rules of, of whatever the fuck it is. If it's of your relationship, of your workplace, of your sport, because they're the worst. They are. They're implied and you're supposed to know you're them. You're supposed to know and, and you're supposed to know at all times. Right. <laughs> so there's this unwritten rule in baseball where you're supposed to, if you're kind of beating a team, you know, 
at a certain extent, kind of pump the brakes. Pull and, it back a little bit. <laughs> and the White Sox did not do this. And, you know. The, they just wiped the floor. Like the player who specifically kind of disregarded this unwritten rule was really piled on for it. Yeah. And it was kind of the same unwritten rule they talk about in this basketball game where this was not a close game. This no. was This was a blowout of a game yeah. in those final minutes. For uh, the Pacers, it was not a game of consequence either, no, by the way. It's not it was like just a game. Just a game. But there's some unwritten fucking rule in basketball that, hey, if you're winning by this much, you should pump the brakes, maybe not take an obvious foul, whatever it is. And again, they're unwritten rules. And how dare the Pacers break an unwritten rule yeah. in, the, in, in what was it? The final minute, right? Yeah, it was the like final minute of play. The last minute of the game. And it's, how dare you? It's not like Ron Artest had a great reputation to begin with. I mean, with. again, there's he, a lot of baggage with a lot of people going. Yeah. I mean, even with Detroit, I mean, as a Chicagoan, okay? Um, do you know who stood in the Bulls' ways for a long time? The bad boys known as, you know, the Pistons. Yeah. So I'm used to that style of it's, it's, they have a, this reputation for being yeah. the bad boys, right? So it's, it's, it's something where there's so many, again, reputations on one side, issues with this player on that side. You learn about elite, um, alliances. Yeah. 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 And you learn about players who say, here's why I did what I did. Because I had an alliance to yeah. my team, my player. You don't understand because you're not in the room. So I did, and I acted out in that manner. It is a unbelievably in-depth look at every angle of this I thing. felt swallowed by my TV when we were watching this. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was so compelling every minute of it. And you and I were talking about something interesting because, you know, now Pat is a, a family therapist. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, he has his master's in social work. Um, but you and I were I talking about... I have a license, about, too, now. Your license. I'm licensed. Um, we were talking about... Ron Artest, a.k.a. Yeah. Meta World Peace. Meta World Peace. Who I didn't know before the documentary. They were the same, the same person, so I learned something new every I day. I love your average sports knowledge. It's fantastic. But I didn't I say that? I said <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't care about sports. Basketball I'll watch because I understand the games you played I played it. it. Yeah. But I love sports documentaries. Anything that doesn't yeah. have to do with the actual game, I, mean, I want to see everything that goes on behind the scenes. I'm kind of the same way with like baseball. Baseball, yeah. as much as I love my White Sox, fuck, is it boring as fuck to watch on TV? Give me a good documentary on the White yeah. Sox. I'm all in. We were talking about Ron Artest and his coping skills he used in the moments after he got the foul called on him. Yeah. Um, and he and he even says like he took a timeout. Like he the laying down thing, pretty disrespectful, but you know, but again, not if you know what he's doing. No, he he basically was taking so the incident that AJ's referencing is immediately when this, you know, peacocking kind of starts. Because we yeah. do see it a lot. And they, 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 the players speak to that point in the documentary that half, 90% of the shit you see on is, TV is for show. Is for show. They even say that. They're yeah. like, we're all friends, yeah. even if we're not on the same team. You know, but we, you got you to gotta make a show out of yeah. it. People want to see you get emotional. And the NBA has fucking, believe me, you have to have like a minor in theater these days to even get into the NBA. <laughs> he was saying that while I we were said, watching oh the championships with the Bucks. Oh he goes, my God. oh wow, and the acting award tonight goes to. Saying, listen, <laughs> I come from the era of Jordan. That shit wouldn't have flown. <laughs> but, you know, so it's it's like so they talk about that fact of look this is never meant to escalate right no. so in these beginning moments where maybe on court peacocking and this and that um, before it really leads to what is a very regrettable uh, situation well because while I was watching it all I was thinking is. How do the fans get, yeah, involved, how does in this? get involved? Because you see players fight all the time, sure. no big deal. So you see Ron Artest literally, as this thing is happening around him, lay down on the officials' table. And if you're looking at it from the outside, I suppose you could say He looks like a cocky douche. What a jackass. Yeah, totally. You started this thing with a foul, a little peacocking goes on, and now that it's getting real. So they were pushing each other around for a minute. Yeah. That he, he, I'm going to lay down here and then put my... Now... Say so he brought his arm up. Yeah. The guy hit his face on his arm. Yeah. That guy came after Ron. And Ron basically tried to, like, diffuse it on his own. But the, And then he went and laid down on the table, and that's when shit got real. So in that moment, he explains, you know, I'm, I'm talking about coping mechanisms. I'm a guy who's troubled. I knew I was troubled. 
I was dealing with that with, with my mental health. And I was literally, and this is why it's so crazy to me, because I work in this field every day. He was just doing what he was taught. And I know they're called, I'm what they're called coping they're skills. They're coping right? skills. Yeah. They're coping mechanisms, You're right? And his mechanism was to count to five before he did anything. So he went to lay down and, and count go to five. One, two. And then after that, to go, okay, am I still as upset? Now, unfortunately, we don't get to go through that entire process of uh, self meditation as somebody uh, in the <laughs> somebody in the stands yeah. throws a cup of soda at him, and it. I don't know. I mean, the aim on this guy. He should oh, be playing man. in the NBA. It lands right, right on Ron's head, and that's it. And, and I've over. Um, and I've seen some beers pitched, you know, <laughs> like on stage. And the closest one I think I ever saw to like the oh my god shot was when a guy chucked a beer at Everlast. Oof. When he was uh, singing "What It's Like," which is Ooh. you know his big solo, yeah, single. but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh and, my god! And he hit him right in the neck of the guitar. Ooh! So that's like great, like you don't yeah. get it, but that's like perfect. And I thought that was the closest I'd ever see to beer tossing perfection. No, until I saw this shot because this son of a bitch tosses this beer. And no, it, it's a soda because that has ice. Is it in a it. soda? Okay, and that's that's how I a knew I'm liquid. Because like, you see, liquid. you see the ice and yes. like the the soda just explode all over Ron's and face. And this thing just launches, lobs, and pr- I mean, because there's far away, there's fucking too. people around. It's yeah. not like this is like an easy like it's not a carnival. No, where you could just go. Hmm. You're aiming for one head by yeah. itself. No, there were yeah. hundreds of people around Ron Artest, and somehow he, he, he hit him it. right in the head, and that is when. The literal malice at the palace started That's when the, the, the players started fighting the fans. with fans. One of the other parts. Poor Ron Artest goes and clocks the wrong guy. <laughs> he goes after the guy that tosses the liquid, doesn't, he runs past him and instead. And then remember the other guy? another guy. The guy who came and clocked him. Yeah. I mean, they're like, you know, fans were on the court. But I did like how they dipped into Ron Artest's mental state. You have to. Because they were... There's not a chance you can do that documentary without talking about... Look, when you change your name to Meta World Peace, you've gone through some serious transitions in your view of the world to go to that extremes, especially when you're a famous athlete. It's one thing if you're just like, you know, regular Ron who lives down the block. And one day Ron's like, fuck it. I'm Meta World Peace. That's Ron. But this is a dude with a brand, with a name. So you knew there was some kind of awakening. You knew there was a before and an after. I was so worried when they started talking about his mental health. I'm like, are they using it as a crutch? Like as an excuse and they didn't really but i'm just glad who he was i'm glad they touched on it because i even said like in the beginning of the documentary i'm like wow he's got like a weird energy around him yeah i'm like and it's just he, he's just like emotes a, like it feels weird listening to him talk it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel bad and then yeah. he starts talking about how disturbed he is i'm like okay yeah that makes a lot of sense but it's nasty oh i love that oh my god the security footage of them trying to find and we were so close to having cell phones you're so, so cl- close. Well, we did have cell phones. We yeah, didn't have cameras and stuff. we didn't stuff. have good cameras. Couldn't record, you know, video. Like, it would have been like a sidekick video, you know, like what? somebody flips it out. Like it's a terrible Again, pixelated video. I'm telling you, I think the only, well, one, the only reason why AJ didn't immediately know what this was was because there weren't phones yet, right? Yeah. Um, and secondly, I honestly believe the only thing that full-fledged stopped that thing from going to like riot mode was was phones because I just feel like the buffoonery yeah. fucking doubles when someone yeah. whips out a phone and then it just I mean you already you know it's a we have all the factors we need yeah. right you got booze you got sports you got a rivalry this and, and then you got a fight on the court yeah. that's it that's all the ammo you need yeah right and I did love watching the security footage though of them trying to find who threw the first the beer, yeah. beer. And it wasn't the one that hit Ron Artest. This was before that. Yeah. But just watching them try to track down this one person who threw the first beer know what is it, hilarious. You know what it uh, reminds me of? I, I forget what they call them, but it's the uh, all the people who are tracking down the folks who uh, were- Oh, from the insurrection? From the insurrection. Yes. So all the folks who stormed the Capitol- since then, it's become like a hashtag. I think it's called, there's like a fucking hashtag behind it. And people literally are doing the same thing because yeah. they have so many different angles they can look and identify. And I think they just track down some dude in Michigan, I, th- yep. I think. So, you know, yeah. that's We're all very apologetic all of a sudden. Always, Isn't that cute? Always. 
I thought, you're sorry. I thought it was a tour, a very interactive tour. A okay? three-hour tour. <laughs> I thought we were doing some kind of reenactment of the Boston Tea Party. That's what I showed up for. Uh, no, but so, you know, you have that factor in there as well. What I'd like, and, 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 and you didn't know too much about it, was the side note to the story of post this fight. Right? Yes. So you have this fight. You have the big melee. Of course, what comes with that? Uh, prosecutions. Yeah. People go, you Court know, cases, people yeah. have to uh, get arrested and players and everybody else. Um, you have suspensions. Uh, and then there's the fallout from the league. And kind of a fallout that was coming was the anti-thug uh, Oh. Uh, movement in the NBA. Now, if this, this was before that word had like was triggering. I feel like it's always been charged. I mean, if well, you, it has been always been racially charged, but now it's even more. It's just they use it so freely that a you can yeah. tell it's two thousand four. It is definitely and like B, I don't. It'll make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like I don't quite feel comfortable enough dropping the end bomb, so I'm just going to say thugs. <laughs> right? That's I mean, Pat. I shit you not. Legitimately lost a friend once yeah. because he said to him, I he said him. he's like a, a white guy yeah. who is you know pretty. It was about the uh, down home white guy. It was about the Baltimore uh, riots, yeah. and that was about Freddie Gray. And of course, he used the word thugs. And yeah. Pat said, "Why don't you just say what you want to say, which is the N word?" Yeah. And that was the end of their friendship. That was it. And <laughs> but, I was I was fine losing that. Like if I got to draw a line in the sand, but that's you're it. Right though, you were right. I was right. So the movement at the time, and it's kind of detailed in, in this documentary with Ron Artest, is a little bit about how he was uh, blowing off a lot of his work to do things like go to the BET Awards because he wants to drop an album. Yeah, he and, basically just checked out after yeah, this happened. So there was this like intertwining at the time and kind of just the NBA stars were getting flashier. Um, and I mean, let's let's be honest, they're, they're mainly young young black men. Who and, are and, and they even they even explore that who are sometimes plucked out of high school. Oh yeah, the one guy I so forgot young. I forgot that one guy's, guy's name, but he yeah. they and he's he's one of the Pacers. Yeah, and they they talk about that. He is fresh out of high school. Uh, he's high like school. I've never even had a bank account, and here I am. <laughs> here I am in the NBA, making millions of dollars in the NBA. I mean, they're they're very they're not skilled in that stuff. So there's this um, consequence, which is kind of viewed as like the anti thug. Um, legislation within the NBA, and it includes dress codes, yeah. which was the biggest thing. Now, we all know players after games, and this is kind of, I always, I'm not a fan of, um, and I know it feel as a news person, you probably want to smack me for this, but I'm not a fan of those instant post-game pressers, and I feel like yeah. it, like, you know, sometimes just let it fucking breathe, or maybe like rotate it like one week a certain player takes it and a certain coach takes it. But oftentimes you see these guys trot out and, or you see them trot into a place and what are they in? They're in their suits, yeah. right? They're styling and profile. Well, I, I told right? you that we used to, when I played basketball in high school, if you had an away game, yeah, you had to wear, up. yeah, you had to dress up all day at yeah. school and then stay dressed up when you went to the other school. So now you got NBA players when they're walking in, when they're doing their pressers, they're not dressing in the suits, no. right? They're dressing really much to the tune of like mid 2000s, probably uh, hip hop black America. Yeah. Right? And they got the money to do it. God bless them. Do what you want to do. You want to be flashy, be flashy. But now you're a thug. But now there's a dress code. And the dress code is first about suits, which we all know really is we don't want you wearing that clothes. And this is stuff that triggers me because I was raised in a Catholic school where they, they wouldn't even let you have hair that would like touch your collar. That's crazy. It was always so nutty to me. I'm like, yeah. hold on. So what happens when I go to heaven? At the gates, <laughs> do they do a check of my hair? Yes. Right? They measure your skirt from your knee up. <laughs> so you see the result of this malice at the palace. And a lot of it is, and I don't want to use the word media because I absolutely work for the media, yeah. but... You are the media. I know. There's so many conspiracies. You have no idea. We are all Illuminati. It's amazing. I haven't gotten a George Soros <laughs> check, though. I check her account every day. I'm waiting for that Soros check. Nothing has cleared. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they definitely explore how it was handled in the media. And really, all the media did was cover it. It was handled poorly by the NBA and pretty much everybody because the, the players even said, bunch of black guys on the court yeah. entertaining 
um, you know, suburban white America. And I mean, guess who, guess who got in less trouble? All of those white people yeah. at the game who were throwing punches. But it was the players, the black players, who took it on the chin. And it's a, it's a valid point. It's, um, what did, uh, there, the only, the, the, the dude who actually chucked the beer, I thought he was kind of a jagaloon. Um, he was the only one who kind who kind of really seemed proud of what he did, yeah. and seemed to have no like it was very no yolo, yeah, very yolo with it. But instead, he's like in his mid forties, oh, total know? douchebag. And I'm just like, like, what's what's the point? Like, you're just you know, that's you're just what he's here famous to, for now. Yeah, and like you're just here to search shit was, up, and it's like yeah. I'm glad I did it, and blah 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 blah. Well, but we also have, and I think this is important too. And you said this when it started. We have. If you've lived in Michigan, mm-hmm. especially in, you know, the Flint or Detroit areas, because yeah. that's where the, the palace was. It was right in between Flint it and Detroit. It was in Auburn Hills. And you said that. You're like, you know, people, they showed like the streets of Detroit making nope. you think it's like nope. downtown, I which said, now it is. Yeah, I said now, I said now, but I said, don't you go show an eight mile because. That would, nope, this is in Auburn Hills. This is across from the outlet mall, okay? Yeah. Like this is, this is a, a pretty decent suburb where people right. make a lot of oh, money. Oh, that's the worst, man. Oh my God. Drunk. Oakland County, are you Drunk me? Oakland County suburbanites oh, at, oh the, my God. at the palace. That's your answer right there that's, to why this all went down. And none of those people really got in trouble. Fuck no. But the players did. did. Fuck. And again, I get that. Are you? I mean, well, and they said I that get all like, aspects of it. I get. They that. said that's like an unwritten rule, like you said before, uh, about like you just you never interact with the fans during the yeah. game. But I mean, Jesus, if they're throwing stuff I at know. you, like you're you're. I mean, it's got to be so frustrating. Exactly, and, and, and you see that in a lot of sports and trash talking, and just I mean, this is obviously way way beyond that. Someone just jaw jacking you, saying, yeah. "Oh, your team sucks." But yeah, I mean, I mean. Yes, Ron Artest cannot run into a crowd and assault someone. No. That cannot happen. We can all agree to that. Um, we can also all agree that you shouldn't be dumping sodas and throwing popcorns. At players. At players, no matter what the fuck no, happened. No, doesn't matter. And there, it's not an interactive sport. No, this is not. This is a <laughs> this spectator sport. not participation, sport. right? They play, we watch, end. End I of did, story. I did like how the one, um, who was it? I think the one dude tried uh, suing... Or, or 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 no? Was it Ron Artest got out of the the assault and battery charge on the dude? Yes, because he entered the court. The fan entered the court, and he squared up against Ron Artest. Yeah, and then the judge said, "Well, clearly, this man. I mean, if, if we're talking like some kind of an archaic stand your ground law, yeah, this man enters his space, which is the court, right? Yeah." And then you square up, so you got your your fists up. You are now allowed to smack this guy in the face, which is what our Ron Artest did. And that guy literally walked. I mean, they, there's video of him walking onto the court, which they're like, player, you know, fans should not be there anyway. You should not be on the court. He's on the court and just yeah. walks up to Ron Artest yeah. and throws a punch. I mean, that's pretty. That's very much his fault. And look, man, everyone learned something. Ron Artest lost an entire season, and yeah. I I know you look at kind. You know, they kind of do the. Uh, um, the uh, ending credits of, you know, Reggie Miller leaves yeah. his career without a ring. And Ron Artest goes on to be Meta World Peace, and he achieves a championship in L.A. Who he, was the Pistons player that they featured? Because they really only featured the one. A, no, that was a Pacers player. Was he a Pacers? Yeah, so like, and he was someone who left the league with, okay. with, with no ring. And it is just, a, it, it's a pretty awesome 60 minutes on a moment in time that was, I mean, immortalized. But not to the extent like it would have been had it happened last week. No. It's it's still kind of, do we know the full it's story? It's like lore, yeah. It really is because folklore, I, right? That's the thing. I had heard about it when I put the web post up on the radio station's website. Yeah. But you had to go to YouTube and find... Yes, yes, yes. And and you you didn't find any like cell phone videos because there were none. It so was, it's all the official sports center, yes. you know, and which is funny. By the way, if you want to know the last time I actually did this, which shows how... Underexposed, I guess this event is. I did this at a White Sox game. I was sitting in the bleachers at a White Sox game in June and randomly brought this up. And someone in our line of people said, I've never heard of that. And so what do you do today? You pull out your phone, you give it to them. And they sat there and watched the entire sports center breaking news piece. And they had to watch it like that. It's like anything that happened before like 2007, 2008 is like this folklore because we didn't have yeah. Phone cameras. So no, I'm I'm glad we watched it. And yeah. I, I just, you know, it's weird being somebody who lived in Michigan for seven yeah. years. I I would imagine it's even weirder to be a a, Mich- a native Michigander and yeah. watch it. 
And you may not like it because, no, it doesn't paint Michiganders in a I good mean, light. But well, it just doesn't involve them. That's the problem no. is that it really – so all I, about the Pacers. So I guess you have to know that this really should be called Untold the Pacers' yes. Malice at the Palace. They really didn't explore anything with the Pistons or, like you said, Michiganders, which kind of pissed me off. I'm like, that's that's half the story. Well, you feel – and yes, I, I agree. And, and who knows? Maybe I, this is so dependent on who wants to talk about it. Well, and that's my thing is I'm like, I, they talked to the guy that threw the punch at Ron Artest. He talked, yeah. Um, But I'm like – Nobody else really did. They not want to talk because I wanted to hear from people who were in the stands. And like that's what I'm saying. You but know, are, are there, I mean, what? It's 17 years later. Are still, they gonna, and that's the story you're going to tell. And, and yeah. what like the one player said? The one player said, "This is the last fucking time." Yeah, I'm, I'm, he said that yeah. to the camera. He said, "I'm not talking about yeah. it anymore after this." So, so don't get, ask me. So get every question, you want. anything you've ever wanted to <laughs> that's know. How sick of it they are. So, so I understand you. You have a career, an NBA career, and I mean, Ron Artest, for better or for worse, defines his career yeah. as well. For a guy who has a ring, he's got yeah. a ring, you know, and and still people are going to be like. Oh, that's the guy that was throwing chairs and fighting with and people. Malice at the palace. Malice yeah. at the palace, man. So I know Michigan. It's a great documentary. So I liked it. If you're a Pacers fan, you're gonna love it. If you're a Pistons fan, you'll hate if it. If you're a Pistons fans, you're probably not gonna like it. If you're an NBA fan or a sports fan, you are gonna love it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, so look it up on Netflix. It is called Untold: The Malice at the Palace. The Pat and AJ Podcast Network is available on all your favorite audio platforms. Subscribe today. Follow Pat and AJ on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook now at Pat and AJ. PatandAJ.com. Support the Pat and AJ Podcast Network today by donating on Venmo or Cash App. Powered by the people. The Pat and AJ Podcast.